Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Can we put a warning? Can we put a warning at the start? Hey, these movies were very racist. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll put that at the beginning of the episode. Sandra, Sandra, I found a legend. A legend? A legend of what? A legend. A legend of a lost city. Oh, you know me. I love me lost cities. Yes. Well, this one contains gold. Ooh. It contains jewels. Ooh, I love jewels. It contains white stage extras. Oh, no. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. It's the lost city of white people. Oh, no. Ooh. <laughs> I don't want to go there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's great because they're white. <laughs> well, at least it doesn't contain any um, any white people pretending not to be not to be white. Well. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about that. Oh no. Welcome to Aldi but a goodie. <laughs> this week we're doing a rather. Special film. Uh, uh, by special, I mean it was a different time. Oof. I'm joined once again by Sandra. Aloha. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> ah, yes, more cultural appropriation. <laughs> we need more of that in this episode. And, and me, Zach. Konnichiwa. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was painful. Alright, speaking of painful... This episode's coming out early February, but technically this is still a January movie. Just want to put that mm. out there. And it definitely earns that award. Oof. Yeah. So it's the show we watch movies from 1987 in the order they all came out in, and, um... Ooh. January is not the time and place for, for movies, I feel. We had a good one, up top. Ooh. Then we had a bad one. I think we had it okay one at first and everyone else goes a step lower than that so you say we had a good one first and an okay one later i think we had an okay one first and a very mediocre one later (laughs) but now we are at the bottom of the barrel uh yeah well yeah Alan Quatermain and the City of Gold. This week we did a uh, series movie. One We did yep. a sequel. Yep. And so, because I chose it, I went and watched the first one. Yep. And uh, I have some things to tell you, good sir. Because the first one is equal, if not more racist, oh, great. than this one. Oh, great. Yes. <laughs> because what would you say... In the normal racist 80 movies, yes. uh, this movie was missing, the second one. Oh, um, that's a good question, actually, because it pretty much covered all the bases. Mm, it, it missed one. Well, let me quickly go through them. There's obviously, um, you know, white actor, 
putting on makeup, pretending it's not white. There's obviously mm-hmm. uh, the Native Savages is another one in this that mm-hmm. wasn't great. Uh, Lost City of White People slash White Savior storyline. There's that in this one. Ooh. Um... There was no, like, I guess, racist language. No, 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 no. So that's good. It's more a trope. A trope. You see, the bad guys in this movie were the, like, evil tribesmen. Yes. In the other movie, they were Nazi Germans. Oh, great. Um, (laughs) Yes. Yes. But not just that. There were still savages and other things as bad guys and obstacles. This is... A great series of movies, and I'm glad yep. we're talking about them. So, yeah, what was your first impression, Sandro? <laughs> it's terrible. It's yeah. really bad. Yeah. It felt like it should be a Conan the Destroyer sort of movie, in that mm. it's a lot of sets, a lot of dumb adventure tropes. But somehow this was just boring yeah. and unexciting. The first one was better, I feel, as okay. a movie. The first one had a lot of good jokes that I genuinely chuckled at. Because these are meant to be comedies as well. Yes. These are meant to be funny. And the first one uh, had had me a chuckle. It's possibly not because the jokes were good, mm. but because they were so offensive, they made me chuckle. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I'll, I'll give you some examples. So this is at the very start of the movie... And this will give you a good idea of the the movie as a whole. Mm. Um, there's a guy in a room with a map, and they're examining this map. And he's like, oh, this is the final map. This is the piece. We're looking for the, the King Midas's Mines or whatever. And then the bad guy comes in and is like, yeah, and you're going to translate that for me, and you're going to give me that map. And then uh, one of the good guys runs for the door, but the door's locked. And then a giant mace swings down from the ceiling and slams him into the door. Oh, no. And one of the other guys, the owner of the establishment, goes, My door! (laughs) Okay. That's not a bad... No, 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 that one's not bad. That one's not bad. bad. They're like James Bond jokes. They're like Mm. quick, like, one-liners. He's got a lot of James Bond jokes. That's his whole thing. And in the second movie, he just doesn't really have that. No. Oh, he tries to. He tries to have some. He tries to. We'll go through them. Here's some of the more edgy bits. Uh, They're at a slave market. Of course they are. Wait, where's the first one set? Is it still in Africa? Yeah, it's pretty much the same place. Yeah, okay. What we're seeing in the second one is, like, they're still there, and now they're going to get married or whatever. Right. Yeah, I thought so. So they pass by a slave market, and he's explaining it's a slave market. He says, yes, for a hundred bucks, you can get a slave for life. And she says, oh, a hundred bucks? That's terrible. And he says, well, you can always bargain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so bad. But you can see why I chuckled at that one. I was like, oh, oh, that's so bad. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. What would you rate the first one, then? Is it an oldie or is it a goodie? Or is it a January movie, even though it didn't come out in January? Yeah, I think that's very much a January movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's definitely better than this one. Okay. See, that's interesting, because I'm pretty sure... Let me just double-check. I think the Rotten Tomatoes score for the second one is higher. The first one's got 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. 
That's uh, that's rough. Yeah. Higher audience score than the second one, though. And that one is called King Solomon's Mines as well. Yeah. Weird that they didn't call it Alan Quartermain and King Solomon's Mines or whatever. Yeah, what they do on this one. I think this one, they just needed Alan Quartermain so people would see it. They put the name. Probably. Because otherwise, I think no one would have seen it. Well, almost no one did, but we'll get to that a bit later on. Uh, because first up, you did pick this movie out of three other options... To be fair, they all looked fairly eh. One was Hot Shot, sports movie about a guy that tries to befriend the greatest soccer player in the world. One word reaction from you of that film. Huh? Um, outrageous Fortune, comedy about two women who hate each other but have to team up to find the truth about a mysterious guy. <coughs> mm. Radio Days, Woody Allen movie about the golden age of radio. Huh. It's, it's a good movie, actually. I've seen it before. I wasn't sure, but I was like, I checked. Mm. I have seen it before. It's good, but it's also a Woody Allen movie. Mm. So you've got to kind of, you know, mm. you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You got to kind of do a bit of the mm. the thinkeroonies on <laughs> what the... what <laughs> the thinkeroonies. <laughs> this was released January thirtieth. Uh, so it is technically a January movie. It was, as we mentioned, sequel to King Solomon's Mines. That they were both filmed back to back. Mm. That first one is based off an 1885 book of the same name. This one is very loosely, emphasis on very loosely, based off the 1887 book, which is just called Alan Quartermain, mm. not And the Lost City of Gold. I don't even think there is a City of Gold in that book. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, they're from the 1800s. Yeah. So they're probably even worse in terms of aging well than this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm sure they, they can't do much worse, to be honest. Is that a challenge? Mm, uh, y- yeah, mm. sort of. I don't know. Okay. I don't want it to be. The screenplay is co-written by Gene Quintano, who did write on the first film. He also wrote Police Academy 3 and 4, as well as a Van Damme action movie called Sudden Death. Oh boy, I'm excited for those movies. <laughs> Oh yeah, we didn't mention. We'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Police Academy Two next bonus episode. Or <laughs> everyone asked for it, so you're getting it. Uh, it's directed by Gary Nelson, who did not do the first one. Um, he came in after directing Freaky Friday and The Black Hole. Hey, they're good movies, I think. Ah, there we go. Are they? Yeah. Yep. Cool. I think the director of the first one he did um some of the later Planet of the Apes movies. Okay. Look, again, the first one was better than the second one. Still very not okay. (laughs) Still like, haha, I am the saviour white man. Here are surrounded by savage black people. (laughs) And it's like, oh, oh no. Yeah. No, this is the problem. Not good. Yikes. It was very bad. Can we put a warning? Can we put a warning at the start? Hey, these movies were very racist. (laughs) Yeah, okay, I'll put that at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, Cast, Richard Chamberlain is Alan Quartermain. He was the first ever Jason Bourne in the TV back in the 80s. He also had his own medical TV show called Dr. Kildare, which is a great name for a medical TV show because you're like, are they daring him to kill? Mm. Kildare, Dr. Kildare, it's a good name. Or is he daring other people to kill? Is that how he... Oh, so we can get more work yeah. in his hospital. And he's like, no, <laughs> no one's getting brutally injured. Yeah, and he... yeah, yeah. So he just goes up to Punks and is like, hey, you, I dare you to go kill this person, idiot. Yeah. Then he gets a new, yeah, awesome. It makes sense. 
Sharon Stone is Jessie Huston. Very early role for her. Uh, mm. She was the rich girlfriend in Irreconcilable Differences. Mm. Um, so she's just coming off the back of that. Uh, the half the reviews were like, oh, Sharon Stone is so pretty in this one. Now, James L. Jones is in this as a character called Um Slopagas. Is he in the first one? Because they act like he was in the first one. They're like, oh, it's you again. Oh, uh, which one? The guy with the axe? Yeah, the axe dude. No, not at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep, nope, he wasn't in the first one at all. <laughs> Which isn't that great. I'm amazed that they managed to get him in this movie. Just like, hey, it's the guy that voices Darth Vader. He's in this movie. He was cool. I liked him. Sorry you had to be involved with this. <sighs> yeah. Cool axe, though. Mm, there was one scene <laughs> where he swung his axe and it yep. broke. And it was not yes. in the centre of the frame, but it was in frame. His plastic axe broke. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah, 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 no, it was great. And then Richard Donner is a white dude who plays a character called Swarmer, and it... Uh, oh, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was bad. That was not good. So, in the first movie, they had Alan Quartermain, mm. his girlfriend, the, the princey white lady oh, okay. running around screaming yeah of course you know classic classic stuff she's the same in this movie mm. and that tropey black dude oh right where it was where it was like a tribesman who was afraid of who was afraid of any i think this is a direct quote anything that moves that doesn't eat or whatever <laughs> like any anything you can ride that doesn't eat okay it was, it was just like he was afraid of technology. He was afraid of cars and trains and other things for some reason. Oh, okay. Because he's, yeah, because it's from a tribe. Great. Yep. Yep. But there wasn't a fourth comedic sidekick character. Yes. That was in blackface um, being not funny the whole movie, which is why I rate the first one better than the second one. <laughs> as soon as that character showed up, I was like, please just be one scene. But he sticks around for the entire film, and it's so annoying. Anyway. So the reception, this has got 40% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics, but that's because it's like three, four mm. reviews in total. Audience score of 20%, though, 46 on IMDb. And people at the time when it came out did say it was racist. Yep. <laughs> Just, well, that's good. Uh, not sure how much it cost. First one cost $12 million, so this either costs the same, or $12 million cost them both, because they, they, they filmed back-to-back. I think this... Oh, I don't know. Mm. I don't know, because there was a lot of special effects that they had in the second one that they didn't have in the first. Oh, like that lovely blue screen ride in the middle of the film. They're going through a cave, and it's so real. Yep. yep. <laughs> Uh, well, they had aeroplanes in oh. the first one. That was the same blue slash green screen where you can very much tell they're not. It's the classic 80s. Oh, dear. So uh, you'd be glad you missed that because it was like, ah, yes, this is Indiana Jones level of, like, green screening. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'd say it probably cost around similar. I was thinking part of the plot of this movie is that they're finding a lost city of white people. Yes, that is the... Yep. And my theory for that is that they just had a whole bunch of extra white people for stage extras. 
Um, yeah. And they were like, how are we going to make the get them in the movie yeah. so we could save on stage extras or something? I don't know. A lot of this movie does feel like that, though. There's a sequence where they go into a cave and there's these weird, like, snake monster things. Yeah. And those puppets just feel like leftovers from another movie. That is true. But anyway, um, yeah, if we're guessing it costs around 12 uh, what do you think it made in America only? Uh, it didn't really get a worldwide release. Five mil? Less than that. Two? Uh, 3.8. Oof. That's a big oof, but thank goodness. Big bomb. Uh, well now, before we jump into the synopsis, uh, unlike last week, there are taglines for this movie. Ooh. According to IMDb. I, I do, I do love some, some taglines, so let's, let's hit me right. with them. First one is... Richard Chamberlain returns in the sequel to King Solomon's Mines. Yep, coasting off the start, gotcha. Mm -hmm. The adventure of a lifetime continues. (laughs) I'm I'm not sure how legitimate this last one is. Again, this is according to IMDb, but this is the final tagline. 24 Carat Entertainment. (laughs) Yes, that's my favourite one for sure. <laughs> what was that? Say that one again. Twenty-four carat entertainment. I'm writing that one down. That's amazing. <laughs> that's giving you an idea for the Instagram. That's giving you an idea for the that, Instagram. That is it? incredible. <laughs> Twenty-four carat entertainment. <laughs> that that's an amazing line. It's special. That's impressive. It's a special one. All right, let's jump into City of. Gold. Is the opening for the first one as confusing as the opening for the second one? No. Okay. Because you have context from... See, the the first... The second one leads off from the second movie. Yes. So, sorry, the, the second movie leads off from the first movie. I got that backwards. That would make more sense. Um, yeah. Um... <laughs> Because the first one, it does throw you right into the midst of it. That's good. So it, it doesn't exactly, like, have you an intro. The first one starts out, it's it's just an Indiana Jones clone. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we get this out of the They're just Indiana Jones clones. Well, this is the thing, though. The books came out way before Indiana Jones. Mm. But the books are what inspired Indiana Jones. Yes, but the movies were crafted. Yes. And they took inspiration from Indiana Jones. Yes. And so it's a big circle jerk. Anyway. It's sort of like when that, um, is it John Carter, the Prince of Mars or whatever it is? It's like when that movie came out and everyone like, this is just ripping off other things. But it's because the books inspired popular movies. Everything else. Yeah. And then that movie was inspired by popular movies yeah. based off the book. So yeah, it's just that sort of thing again. In the first movie, it starts off by him taking the main lead woman oh, yeah. round, like, like guiding her through a rural town. Yeah, the opening for this one instead is uh, we see a friend of Alan's brother being chased through the jungle. So no, we never got a single mention of his brother in the first movie. Great. Or anything else <laughs> to do with this movie. This this is all sprung out of. So this is great for you because you're like, "Oh, I'm missing all this context." Mm. No. There wasn't any context. To begin with, this is literally them just making up stuff. Yeah, the only context from the first one that I thought mattered was these two are going to get married and that's it. That's it. That's literally it. There's no characters from the first movie, not even the dad. Is a dad? Yeah, in the first one, the dad's a main 
focal point. Nice. Because the dad gets captured. Wait, it's someone else getting captured and them having to find that character? Yes. Great. Specifically, the dad gets captured and they have to go and save them. Now, does that sound like any other adventure Mm. movies that have been done before that involve Nazis capturing a dad? (laughs) (laughs) Was Last Crusade out by the time... I don't know. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I think Last Crusade came out after. Ah, Last Crusade stole everything (laughs) from Alan Quartermain. Confirm. (laughs) Great. He's even tied up on a chair at one point. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the opening is ridiculous. That um, I love, personally, how we're introduced to Sharon Stone because she's running to pick up a package from a train and then she jumps mm-hmm. on a horse carriage and she just does this amazing laugh. Like, ha, 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 I love horses. Oh, God. <laughs> she does that twice. She doesn't do that in the first movie. It's awful. Yeah, it's really bad. The acting goes downhill and I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> I thought we had reached the bottom of the hill, but it kept going in this movie. That happens, though. That happens all the time when you... I guess probably because they filmed them back-to-back, they were just tired. Yeah. Because, like, Alan Quartermain looks tired during this movie. The actor looks tired. The first one, he has so much more energy. Mm. And it's like... Uh, a fine action hero and this one he's just kind of eh he's just kind of there yeah it's very bizarre what is it she wants them to both to go to America to get married mhm but just as they're about to leave or something the guy that has been chased through the jungle just somehow lands on their front lawn I'm pretty sure that's where he was going I guess the idea that that, that he, he knew where they lived and was trying to get to them well the thing is at this point without the context of the first one I thought they were just in America or they were in England uh, I didn't know they yeah. were in Africa so I was like wait hang on yes. Well, why why do you think there was some African lads hanging around? Some boys. I thought that they just adopted them because that's how these movies usually go. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. They were just there. I wrote down the, um, I wrote down the note. Decent melee fight as Alan fights these masked guys. Mm. JK, it's bad. Yep. That's a direct quote from my notes. Ah, but what about when he throws him off him and he lands in a pond, like, five metres away, and that ends the fight? That was like a WWE fling off <laughs> yes. the side. Yes, correct. <laughs> that was weird. It was weird stuff. So anyway, uh, what does this injured guy say? Oh, hey, hey, Alan. Alan, hey, Alan, my, my best buddy. Have you heard of Cities of Gold? Oh, I love Cities of Gold. Cities of Gems? Oh, I do do love me some gems. City of white people? Oh, my favourite sort of people. (laughs) I'm from the 1800s. (laughs) Yikes. So, so yeah, he explains that his brother um, has gone to the city of gold white people. And Alan Quatermain's like, oh, my brother, oh no, he's in danger. That's what I've got from this this talk, even though we'll find out later on that his brother's perfectly fine. <laughs> perfectly fine. And, yeah. He's been, like, inducted into a cult. That's about it, though. He's not really in the cult. He, like, the people aren't part of the cult. Oh, They're yeah. just being run by a cult. The cult is kind of being forced upon them, that's right. Yeah, so there's, like, a cult of people who are running the place, and the rest of the people are just nice. Yeah, it's just a village of... It's very weird. It's just... Yeah, we'll get to... The... 
The film, from a narrative point, does not make sense. No, not at all, in any way. It's just a bunch of stuff happening. So, uh, the injured guy tells him to, um, to go see Swarma, and he'll tell you about the City of Gold. God, I hated Swarma. And then some guys break in, and they kill him. I, I hated, but also, why? <laughs> With Swarma. Swarma's, like, constant, like, ugh. It's the worst. He's meant to be funny. Yeah. But 90% of the time, he's just, uh He's just like this spiritual guru who's also mm. just wants money and gold. Um, oh, I did want to mention, though, uh, the bad guys, they break in and they kill uh, that guy who tells them about, about the city. And Alan's line, he walks in and he sees that this guy has been murdered and he's not like, oh no, he's been murdered. He says, well, one thing's for sure, the fever didn't kill him. Laugh track. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, so that would be like the worst joke he did in the first film, right. equivalent. And this is like one of his better lines in this film. Uh, yeah, so they team up with Swarm or whatever, that's all happening. Also, Sharon Stone's going to go to America. Yep, except on the way there, she's having a one-sided discussion with herself and yes. this this random servant dude yeah. who's just there. Yeah. And she's driving erratically and he's like, please let me drive. And she she just talks herself into following Alan Quartermain and then takes off her clothes and laughs awfully. She's like, he needs me on this adventure. And she's in the car wearing a dress and she just takes off the dress and throws it over a cliff. Yeah, she's not nude. She has another dress underneath, but it's... It's very bizarre. Why? <laughs> I don't know. What, what does that represent? She also does that fake awful laugh, which makes me want to die on the inside hearing it. I think it's meant to represent she's, like, flowing off the American clothes that she was going to wear to go to America with. Yeah. But, um, why? Back in the village, uh, Swarmer and Quartermain team up, yeah, with the warrior yeah. guy, with, um, with... Woof. Uh, let's just call him James L. Jones. Woof. Uh, my dog's barking, because my dog's a fan. <laughs> yeah, he loves James L. Jones. He's like, ah, that's Darth Vader! Is it distracting for you that it's Darth Vader? Uh, uh, it's more distracting because it's the lion from Lion King. Oh, yeah, it's also... Fun. I was just waiting for him to go, Simba! <laughs> and then they, they, they have a whole bit about lions later on. They do. And I thought it was ironic that uh, he, he murders a lion, mm. even though later on he will be the voice of... The lion who, who gets got. Oh, there was a um, there was a rumor kind of floating around the internet recently. Um, it was probably a couple of weeks ago now that uh, Scar probably ate Mufasa. Yes, I saw that one. Yeah, he probably ate his brother. Saw that theory. It was very dumb. Like most theories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh, a dumb, pointless. It's like, oh no, we don't see his body in this shot. Why? Why is that? He must have been eaten. <laughs> but who, what animals eat lions? Mm. No one except dun 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 other lions. Other lions. It was a funny. It was a funny meme theory. Yeah, oh right. my god, Scar ate. We need to do Lion King two at some point. Maybe over on Patreon. That could be fun. Mm. Yeah. So they're all teaming up to head off on the mission. Who's on the, the mission, Zach? We've got Darth Vader. <laughs> yep. Uh, Blackface. Yep. White Girl in Distress. Yep. And Generic Adventurer. Yep. Oh, and five lackeys, which, 
were were pointed out to be important, but all they do is die throughout the movie. They do literally nothing else but die. They're just there to add some stakes <laughs> that people can die on this adventure. Yes, they are. They are the red shirts. Mm. We have five red shirts. Yes. Oh, you know what? It was a joke that was pretty on par with the rest of the movie when uh, what's its face Shaz- Shazam or whatever blackface is called. The racist dude. Yep. <laughs> The guy's like, I have five Akari, or whatever they're called, and I have great influence with him. And then he leaves off, and the guy's like, I don't trust him. But And then Alan Quatermain's, ah, but he has five Akari, and he has great influence with them. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the sort of humour in the first movie that, that goes throughout it, whereas in this movie, it's just missing that humour, I feel. That's yeah, like okay. the one moment where I felt that was a very Alan Quartermain thing to say. Uh, there's a decent line here uh, where they go to this, like, wall canyon thing. It's got mm. traps all over it, and the wall, like, opens up at some point. The floor opens up, and they almost fall down to a pit of spikes. And I think Alan says something along the, the lines of, uh, Oh no, I think someone here pissed off someone else's guy. God. Now, I found most of these obstacles they got to get through incredibly underwhelming, and the stakes were so low yes. that it was ridiculous. However, in this first one, I think they add stakes decently by having this corpse kind of drop down and then the skin just fall off the face. Yeah. That was cool. That was very cool. That's like the only cool bit in the entire movie. (laughs) Pretty much. And I was like, oh, wow, they didn't have that in the last movie. That's a bit gruesome. Oh, that's it. That's it for gruesome. The only other gruesome thing is that they pour paint on people. Yes, and then magically they (laughs) they transform into statues. Yes. Which is great. I love that as well. There's, uh, we'll get to it later, but there's one shot. Yeah, they did we'll it. explain it. Uh, they have to go across a river. Uh, there's this tribe that want payment, um, but they don't pay them. Yep, and then he chucks a spear at Alan Quartermain. But earlier on in the movie, Alan Quartermain purchased some invincible shirt. <laughs> Yes. Uh, some some mithril shirt. Some daggerproof shirt. Is it bulletproof as well? I don't think so. No. No, we don't see guns for the entire movie except for Alan Quatermain's gun. That's true. Do you know what happened in the first movie? Everyone shot each other. Yes. Everyone had guns. Anyway, moving on. But yeah, uh, they chuck a spear at Alan Quatermain, but because he's wearing... This invincible shirt. Mithril shirt. Yeah. He's wearing a mithril shirt. It just bounces right off him. Well, no, no, no. No, it doesn't. No. It hits his shoulder. Yep. He grabs onto it and then he moves it to his abdomen yes. and goes, Ah, oh, it hit me. Yes. <laughs> Which is great. It's very funny. Hey, but maybe that was intentional. You could say that's intentional because, like, he was wearing the shirt that bent the thing. Mm. So he's putting on a show. Oh, and the tribe, the river tribe, now think he's a devil. Yep. Which is a running theme throughout the movie. They think the white man has superpowers. Yep. Wow. I wrote down, wow, racist guru is so racist. Yep. (laughs) Just, I kept writing that down every now and then in my notes, just every time he did something. Yeah, he's bad. We're kind of speeding through this, but that's because nothing happens. They go to a water cave. They, they, They go into the water cave because there's a random whirlpool, which is the smallest whirlpool in existence, but they did a camera angle to make it look big. Yes. 
And then, and then, as soon as they ignore it, it just stops spinning. Yep. I was like, "What? <laughs> yep. What? I was confused." <laughs> and then, and then they go into a cave. <laughs> they go into a cave. There's a terrible blue screen. They uh, almost get pulled into another sort of inferno like thing. What would you call the thing that, that's in the cave? Yeah, it's just it's just like a flame. It's just a flame in the in the cave. Yep. And they manage to escape by a falling rock, pushing them to the side of the flame. Did he, did he, didn't he shoot the rock down? I think he shot the rock. Yeah, a lot of Alan Quatermain's solutions is to push things with the gun. Yes. Or to break things with the gun. And he's got a pretty flimsy looking gun, so I don't know how well that would have worked. He shoots a stone to push it in, which wouldn't have worked, I don't think. Because the pushing power of a gun isn't very high because it's a very low surface area. It would have just bounced off the rock, Mm. caused a dent in it. And same thing here with another rock. He has dynamite. Oh, he does have dynamite. I forgot about that. Yes. And in the first movie, he uses it quite liberally. It's kind of his thing. Dynamite is quite a useful tool in his arsenal. They could probably only afford two, three explosions in this movie then. Yeah. (laughs) That's probably what happened. But, like... For making a rock fall, dynamite is perfect. That just makes sense. And also, like, the rock that falls down is massive. I don't know how that gun would have dislodged such a massive piece. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, if a rock that big fell down and it was going to cave in, like, if there was a potential of it caving in, it was going to cave in. Yeah. I've got some more dumb lines right here because they get up to, like, uh, this, this... embankment inside the cave that leads to more caves. Quartermain asks Sharon Stone how she's doing and she says, ugh, I don't know. Ouch. I'm fine, I guess. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Yep. Oh, they come across this corpse and Alan's like, oh, look, he's kind of dead. But let, let's talk about the killer snake slugs. Yep, let's talk about them. What do you want to say? Why? Because <laughs> um, they're weird and exotic snake slug things that want to eat you. They looked like the asteroid, like worms from Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, they were really weird. I don't know what the deal with those ones. I remember in the first movie, there was like a giant, like dragon skull that pops out of the water and yeah. eats someone. Yeah, it's 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 a thing. Okay, don't worry about it. Wait, so is there supernatural stuff in the first one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sort of. Okay, cool. There, there's like a frozen in carbonite princess that looks exactly like the the main lead girl. Okay. It's like frozen in crystal. All right. And that's the reason she's involved is because she looks a lot like this ancient princess which used to rule the lands. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> um, anyway, look, none of this really matters. I don't know why I brought it up, but... The, the the monster's head looks a lot like the heads of these small little grubs. Oh, it's probably the same thing then. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It has like it has like a weird dragon snake face. But that one, it's like a huge one. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they're the same creature. Mm. It doesn't matter. I don't know why I brought it up. We're moving on. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. They're, they're ugly snake things. They murder them. Yeah. They get attacked by them. They kill them. They're fine. There's also a lion in the cave and Quartermain just shoots it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's, they, they do multiple lion murders. I felt bad for these lions. Yeah. I mean, in the first movie, it, it's annoying, actually, because in the first movie they encounter lions, and Quartermain's a way of dealing with lions is to leave them alone and wait till they get bored and go away. That's a pretty good way to deal with them, I guess. Yeah, and it, it works. Yeah. The lion gets bored and goes away, and that's like, oh, cool, that was a great way of dealing with the lions, because the lions don't care about humans so much. In this, he's just like, bang, bang, lion. Bye-bye. Kapow. It's probably like the one main note that they got from the studio was, look, this first film was good, but there's not enough lion murders. <laughs> Murder, <laughs> yeah. Sure you really... So, so make sure you double up on lion murders. At least yeah. minimum two murdered lions. Exactly. Yeah. And that, like, out of all the animals, you know, lions are, you know, they're not around that much. Leave them alone. Yeah, poor lion. Why is there a lion in this cave? It makes <laughs> no sense whatsoever. If they, if the a- ancient people who built this put a lion in this cave, the lion would be dead by now. Yeah. Surely. That means this lion regularly goes through this cave. Does he eat the dead people? Does he live in here eating people who try and go through here? Or has he come from the outside? Maybe the lion eats the slugs? Maybe the lion eats the snake slugs? That's true. That is true. He could eat snake slugs. I don't know. Why is there a lion down here? (laughs) Well, they come out of the cave, then the city of gold is, like, in front of them, so they go towards the city of gold, and there's lions patrolling the city of gold as well. I, I like I like the fact that they they see the city of gold and there's just a river of gold yes. from the city. Yes. The city itself isn't gold. No, it's white. It's like limestone. Yeah, yeah. Even though we've been told that the like floors and ceilings were supposed to be gold, they're not at yes. all. Yeah, no, we're specifically told this is an entire city made out of gold. The staircase is gold. That's about it. There's a lot of gold. With this city, to be fair. There's, like, a lot of gold. But it's not made of gold. Like, there's more than enough gold here for uh, lifetimes where, like, there's megatons of gold. But the city itself, false advertising. Completely false advertising. Also, doesn't seem to be particularly lost. It's very easy to find this city. It's just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very easy to find. I I guess it was back in the day, you know? It would have been harder to find. Like, nowadays, it would have been... Oh, we got a satellite image of the city of gold. Hey, look, get him. So anyway, James L. Jones or Darth Vader, he wrestles a lion. Because cause there's like a child and he saves the child. And then and then they enter the city and Quartermain's brother is there. And then he's like, oh, hey, what's up, bro? Yeah, because the brother's pretty obviously like, he's just like, oh, hey, what's up? You found us. Yep. And, and then he's like, oh, you're alive. Yay. You weren't in any peril whatsoever. <laughs> Nice. And then the film gets really confusing because mm-hmm. we're not not confusing, it just I don't know, it's weird because we're introduced to the high priest of the city, who isn't a high priest at all. He's um what was he doing before he came to the city? They mentioned it. He was like a hunter? Oh no no no, he was a slave trader. That's right. Yeah. And then he came to the city and was like, I'm your priest. But the two princesses are sisters. One of them kind of rules, one of them's just there. Yeah, one of them's evil, one of them's good. I think that the cultist guy joined up with the priestess to try and take over the place. I think that's what they're trying to <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, because there's the good princess and the bad princess. I think the idea is that he he convinced her. Mm-hmm. To help him take over the place. And that's why, how they've managed to take over the place. 
and sacrifice people. Yeah, what the priest does is he's got a bunch of slaves and he dips them in molten gold and then laughs after dipping them. He's like, ha. That was a pretty funny scene, actually. Yep, so he loves tossing people into uh, the molten gold pit because then they come out as nice golden statues. Yes. Now, in terms of the racism of this movie, we have um, a guy pretending to be the guru character, pretending to be Swarmer, what's his name? How can we make that character worse? I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Because he's kind of like a coward Mm. and not very useful to the party at all. In fact, an active hindrance. Uh, He's kind of greedy. He is kind of greedy. That could be a thing we could do here. I don't know. Do you have any suggestions? He's kind of greedy. Like, maybe, maybe he takes things... Steals some stuff, joins the bad guys. Joins the... Oh. Yep. Changes sides. Yes. That would be more bad. Yes, but also the heroes never find out about that, but then know about it near the end for some reason. I don't know. That sounds like incompetent writing. Put it in the movie. That's what Put it in the movie. It's really annoying. Mm. Other things that are annoying in this section of the movie is the break a rock with your head competition, where there's this idiot tribe... And the leader of the idiot tribe is the biggest idiot you've ever seen, and he's real dumb because he keeps breaking rocks with his head. He's a big, dumb, fighty dude, and he breaks rocks with his head, and then he wants Alan to do it, because what happens is uh, someone throws a spear at Alan and he, he lives. Yeah, he's got, the, he's got the magic t-shirt. He's got the mithril t-shirt. And so uh, they're all like, oh my god, he's a, he's the devil. He's got devil powers. Damn. And so he challenges Alan Quartermain to, uh, to headbutt a rock to yep. break it to prove he has devil powers. But Alan Quartermain doesn't want to do it. So Alan Quartermain's like, haha, break this table, the stone yep. table with your head. And the guy tries and he fails. And then Alan Quartermain lights a stick of dynamite. Then says some uh, some magic words, Ugh. abracadabra. Yep. <laughs> he just repeats abracadabra and and shazam yep. and stuff. And the dynamite blows up and blows up the table. And everybody's like, wow, you're great. Magic. Very dumb. Then the queen is like, wow, you're magic. You were foretold in a prophecy as the man who will take down the priest and the evil queen. All you need to do to make the priest leave is destroy this magic table. Because there's a table in their temple. So James L. Jones goes up to the table with his axe and he chops the table in half. Mm. And then everyone in the, uh, in the city is like, yay, the gods have arrived. No more sacrifices. <laughs> Alan runs out of dynamite conveniently. Yes. When they have to blow up this one table. <laughs> um... <laughs> The sacrifice table. But this table can only be destroyed by a god, Mm. is what they say. But then this regular dude with an axe comes in and just breaks it. So either there's two situations here. (laughs) One, it could just be broken by anyone. The god bit didn't matter at all. Or two, Darth Vader boy over here is a god. And that's what I would like to believe. I like that idea. (laughs) Which is why later on... What, it, his axe has the power of four for no reason. It does. It does. <laughs> I was very confused for, like, a lot of that scene. I was like, wait, what's going on? Oh, he's got four powers now. That's what it is. But that's in the final battle. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, first, actually, no, we, we won't. That's what happens now. 
the town's people they run the priest out so the priest goes off and he enlists uh the guard tribe and then also the river tribe that we saw earlier he en- he enlists them both and they both attack the city at night yeah so they get um the annoying blackface dude he he steals the mithril shirt which for some reason Alan Quatermain takes off Mm. Why isn't he sleeping with that thing on? Uh, and so, yeah, that night the battle starts. And the battle's not very good, but I will say this, that there's a lot of people on screen. Mm. There's a lot of people climbing walls. So that was pretty good. There's a lot of extras. Yep, that's that's the same as the first movie. There's a lot of extras. Is there any, like, n- notable moments in the battle? Not really. <laughs> not till the end climax they're just fighting they throw gold bricks at the enemy because that's the only real weapons that the city has is gold so they just get bricks of gold because it's heavy makes sense yeah uh then quartermain needs darth vader's axe so that he can climb to the top of the temple which he does and Mm. he uses the axe to conduct the lightning and melt the golden lion statue that's on the roof of the temple Mm. so the the melted gold will fall off the temple and land on the bad guys, turning them into very realistic golden statues. What? In what world does this make any bloody sense? I don't know, it's his grand plan. He's Alan Quatermain, he does what he likes. First off, his plan is to bait the enemy into standing underneath the lip of the the the, the <laughs> yes. roof. Yes. Because that's perfectly been designed for this. Is this what the, the thing was intended for? Like, this is like a prophecy of him slaying the lion and the lion melts yeah. and defeats the enemy. Sure. Something like that. Sure. Uh, it's never explained. It doesn't fucking matter. Two, uh, dude throws his axe up to the guy. Um, why does he need that axe specifically? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's a magic axe. That would that would also explain. Uh, that, going back to the table thing, maybe it's a magic axe. I think axe. it is a magic axe. It's probably like Mjolnir or something like that, yeah. Yes. Uh, three, he hits the statue... And then lightning strikes everywhere, like sets off a thing, and the statue starts melting yes. for no reason whatsoever. Is it? I thought maybe he had like cracked into it, and there was melted gold inside it. But no, the statue itself is very clearly melting. They show that several times. See, what would make sense is he holds the axe up, lightning hits the axe, he then hits the lion head, which is how that would work. But that's not what happens. I would have liked that. But it it doesn't do that. It just doesn't. melts the statue because it's god powers? Question yeah. mark. I don't know. The main cultist dude charges Alan Quartermain up on the top, and they have a battle scene where Alan Quartermain pushes him into a big flood of molten gold and turns him into a statue, which is amazing because all the molten gold we've seen is just like yellow paint yep. that pours down from the ceiling, and yep. it's really bad. But this is particularly bad because he get it looks like the slime from Nickelodeon, but yellow. Yep. And he just gets slimed. But the next shot, it's just they see him as a golden statue. <laughs> it's a statue. It's very funny. And like he shrinks as well. He somehow shrinks in the statue. It's uh, it's very funny. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So he's dead. They're all dead. Uh, the racist guru guy is like, oh, I helped you. I helped you win. And James L. Jones mm. is like, you're evil. And he throws him in some water. But here's the thing. They don't know he's evil. No. I don't know. They don't really know he's evil. They just don't like him, I guess, which is why they throw him in the water. It's fair enough. It's very bad. It's not like he's going to do anything. Uh, and then that's the end of the movie. Yep. Because Quartermain and Sharon Stone are like, we're finally going to get married. That's it. 
That's a movie. It's the Lost City of Gold. What a January movie. <laughs> Am I right? It's ba- It does kind of feel like two separate films as well, because there's the whole storyline of getting to the city, then there's the storyline of the cultist and everything. Uh, like, yeah, it, it, it tacks on an extra 20 minutes. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, because in the first movie, there's an overarching villain. In this one, they finish the quest, they find the brother, and then they're like, Oh, here's an extra 20 minutes because we need to make this a bit longer. Here's a villain and a fight scene. There you go. And that stuff doesn't even make any sense. No. It it just doesn't blend. It's just a bad movie. Yep. And it endorses a lot of lion murder. Which is not good. Last week with the goat murder, this week with the lion murder. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's one of the tropes, actually. So we've got one of those. Yeah, we've got one. We've got a trope. Yep. We'll go through the tropes in a bit. Um, Definitely an oldie. Look, I personally would give this the, the true January award. Yeah, true January. Absolutely the true January. It's awful. It's really bad. And it's super racist. <laughs> yes. Like this one. Emphas- hey, guys, if you haven't figured it out by now, this is super racist. And the first movie is almost more racist because they, they involve... Uh, a Turkish villain and a German villain. I didn't even mention the Turkish villain until no, now. No, you didn't. The, one of the main villains is a Turkish guy. Yeah, these are the two bad films. It was a racist time. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely two oldies and the true January award. Don't check this out. Is this worse than Critical Condition? I would rather watch Critical Condition because it's less racist. Yes, agree. I feel uncomfortable watching this movie. I would rather watch Critical Condition... Even though I, I'd rather not watch Critical Condition because <laughs> it's bad. It's a waste of my time. Yeah. Oh, what a weird start to the year. Uh, so anyway, this was meant to be a trilogy. Actually, there was going to be a third film based off the book She and Alan. Mm. I, a weird title. It's probably they got married. Yeah, I guess so. It ne- actually, yeah. Let me look up the the synopsis for the book. Please don't. Apparently, it's quite good. It's got good reviews. I have a feeling the books are way better than the movies and less racist. Wanting to learn if he can communicate with deceased loved ones, adventurer and trader Alan Quartermain seeks a meeting with the feared Zulu witch doctor Zikali. He tells Alan he might seek out a great white sorceress who rules a hidden kingdom far to the north and he charges Alan to take a message to her. Never mind, I take it back. Along the way he encounters Scotsmen, <laughs> cannibals, <laughs> witch doctors, and of course the mysterious she. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad they added Scotsmen into the mix. That's great. Scotsmen. Damn. Scary Scotsmen. Yikes. So that was going to happen. Then they were going to make another sequel in 2011, but the producer that wanted to make that died, so they didn't make it. Anyway, the add and remove segment. We're doing this instead of sequels because um, I don't want to think of a sequel to this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Got to think of one thing to add, one thing to remove from this film to make it just, just, just slightly better. Just slightly better. Uh, remove all the racism and then the rest of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this movie's salvageable. I don't know how to fix it. There's too much core concepts which are just racist. Okay, how about this? You remove the racism, and then you add in parody. 
This becomes a parody of Indiana Jones. Yeah, 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 I could see that. It's sort of like the naked gun, that sort of stuff. You'd have to make this movie so different. You That's would. The problem. But, like, there are some scenes that could work for that, like when he shoots the lion, for example. There's, like, some jokes you could do there. The melting, the, the gold would make more sense if it was a parody yeah i don't know it's impossible to fix this movie yeah i don't know if these are salvageable uh like i liked the jokes i would add more funny quips that were actually good and remove the bad ones that weren't funny remove that blackface dude yep literally his entire character could have not existed and you could have had this movie Mm. anyway let's then go through the checklist this Mm. is what we're doing this year we've got a checklist of tropes i would go through uh number one trope it's bad porridge this movie is bad porridge is very bad porridge dumb characters definitely very dumb particularly sharon stone yes very dumb character she's she's such a princess in distress it hurts bad guy from foreign country yep yep and the first movie had the the classic german bad guys as well i did say bonus points if there's ties to germany or russia and uh yeah there was indeed that does it does it count if it's in the the first one i say so i say it counts that definitely counts yeah so far three for three all the good guys live yep yep or a good guy sacrifices themselves that didn't happen, mm. but the good guys lived. Yeah. This doesn't count because it's a period piece, but generator slash power outage. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't have them, so doesn't get that one. Definitely for the first one, female lead falls in love with male lead. Yeah, because this is a sequel, she's already in love with him, which is really just dumb. I'm glad that they didn't do the they, they fall out of love trope, though, which they usually do for sequels. Yeah, they, they nearly did that, that's true. Yeah. That would have been terrible as well. Uh, and then the final trope is dead animals, and there are a few dead animals. Yeah, there's several deadlines. Yep. Pretty much everything's checked off here. Is there anything you wanted to add? We already had, like, a female one where it's just, like, she's just a princess. Princess in distress. Do we have something like that? Female character is in distress at some point. Or, like, female character is in distress slash has to be saved. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a generic, like, damsel in distress. I kind of want to add is a ripoff of other famous movies of the time. Mm. But then when we get to an original movie, that's not... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I kind of want to add it. You could add it. That's fine. All right, I'll add it. Not everything needs to be applicable to everything, you no. know? And the, the well, we didn't even talk about the music, but the music is just, like, like how to be John Williams clone one one yeah yeah i didn't really <laughs> notice the music to be honest it's it was yeah. so generic i just turned off it's not great oh we didn't even talk about the font the font's very thick <laughs> it is yep they show it twice they show it in the opening and ending credits yeah i remember i i wrote down very specifically it has a rather thick font moving on next segment it's time for Raving reviews. Part of the show where I get some reviews from Rotten Tomatoes. The user reviews, not the critic reviews, because users are definitely more funny than the... the, uh, I will give you that. uh, Yeah, yeah, you were a a second away from disagreeing with me there. I saw that. But then I said more funny. And you're like, yeah, no, no. Then uh, the critic reviews. So we're doing those. Uh, I'm going to tell you the review. Sajo has to guess the score. Scores are 0.5 to 5. That's how it works. Here we go. John says, this is possibly the worst movie I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very vague review there. I'm not sure what he's trying to get at. It's got to be 0.5. It was (laughs) 0.5. Yep. 
<laughs> starting off strong. Starting off strong, John. 0.5. We have uh, Aaron. He says, Alan Quatermain and the tribal Africans who will believe anything is the work of the devil. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a different time. <laughs> it was a different time. Uh, that's also going to be negative. I'm going to go 1.5 for that one. Ah, you were close. It was two out of five. He actually, actually gave it quite a higher score than I thought, which is why I put that one in there. Yeah. Uh, Zoran, super action packed. Dot, dot, dot. Just like an Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> that's good. It, again, that's a harder one to mm. kind of get a yeah, gauge that, on. That one was a very difficult one to judge, which is why I put it in. These are some hard ones. That might be down the middle. I might go 2.5. It's it's 1 out of 5. All it's right. 1 out of 5. Yeah. These, these ones get progressively harder, these ones. Mm. Adam says, I think I've seen this. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> I think I've seen it, and therefore it gets a review. (laughs) So what do you you think a guy who thinks they've seen this movie, what do you think he gave this? If you're not sure if you've seen it, then there's no way you're sure of your opinion on this movie. Yeah. And the go-to, I don't know what to think about this film rating, I think is three. So I'm going to say three, but I'm also going to put some money on Mm -hmm. two. It's three out of five. Good analysis. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, I think I've seen this movie and put a review. That's great. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> um, and then finally, William says, it's Quartermain. How can it be bad? It, it, in many ways. <laughs> in many ways, it can be very bad. In the same ways, the books oh. are probably also bad. Yeah, no. I, I thought maybe the books were less racist, but by the sounds of the synopsis, it wasn't. Is that a five out of five review? Are you asking or are you locking it in? I'm locking it in tentatively. It's 3.5 okay. out of 5. Well, it's still positive. Yes, it's still positive. I think they uh, they watched the movie, thought it was good, then looked at all the reviews and were like, oh, yeah. maybe my opinion's wrong. <laughs> Probably. And put it down a few uh, pegs, but yeah. There we go. Those are the reviews. To be honest, um, about what I expected. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the episode uh, there. Thank you for listening, as always. Uh, now that we're out of January, we'll see how, if the film quality gets better. If you like the show, number one way to help out is tell a friend. Be like, hey, friend, Indiana Jones, what's your thoughts? And if they're like, I love Indiana Jones, then tell them to not watch these movies. <laughs> but listen to the podcast. We're on everything. We're also, we've got Instagram now. Go follow that if you want. Uh, yep. uh there's email addresses and links to YouTubes and all the various platforms we're on. And there's also the Dead Dad Club on Patreon. That actually launched today. By the time this goes out, that is launching today with our first bonus episode of uh, NeverEnding Story 2 being released today on the 1st of February. There's two bonus episodes a month if you sign up to the Dead Dad Club. And um, people asked, Zach, people asked questions and said, Police Academy 2, when are you going to do it? Never. I don't want to do that. Nope, it's not happening. Never ever, unless it was to go up on a Patreon mm. uh, as a second effort. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just because if Sandro has to be tortured by Never Ending Story 2, I'm going to be tortured <laughs> by Police Academy. I'm too. also going to be tortured by Police Academy, so this is unfair. <laughs> yes. But this way, uh, the more suffering, the better. That's true. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we won't only be doing sequels on Patreon. That's kind of what people wanted to hear. So yeah, we'll do Please Academy Two uh, as the second one. Um, so go check that out if you want. Link in the description. Uh, yeah, but I'm picking next week's episode. So, your options are Alien Predator. This is not Alien versus Predator. This is called Alien Predator. Okay. Three friends vacationing in Spain Ooh. when they find a town that's infested with the dangerous alien parasite. Ooh. We've got a few alternative titles. It's known as The Falling, Mutant 2, and Alien Predators as some of the alternative titles. Wait, so it's known as Alien Predator and Alien Predators? Yes, correct. Uh, we have Black Widow. Oh, I didn't know that was out Not yet. the Marvel one. Oh. <laughs> Funny joke, but it's not the Marvel one because it's from 1987. Oh. A woman murders her wealthy husband and is hunted down by an agent of the Department of Justice. Um, okay. Dead of Winter, a fledgling actress, is lured into a remote mansion for a secret test, soon discovering she's actually a prisoner in the middle of a blackmail plot. Oh. Four Adventures of Renetti and Marbella. Yep. It's a French movie that is uh, four short stories about the relationship between a country girl and a city girl. Ooh. It's a it's a it's a festival favorite. Great. Uh, Light of Day, a musical starring Michael J. Fox. Uh, he and his sister are in a band, but they also have a lot of family issues. Oh no! From the Hip is a uh, courtroom comedy about an attorney who. Really struggles with an important case and stage fright. An Italian slasher about a group who've locked themselves inside a theatre for rehearsals, unaware that an escaped mental patient has been locked inside with them. Oh, sounds like a regular Friday night for me, that one. Because <laughs> you're the mental patient. Some of them don't sound too bad. I think I've heard of that French one before. Yeah, I know this director. He's pretty good. This is meant to be his Mm. funniest movie. Oh, really? But it is also a French festival favourite, and I know you won't like it, so just thinking about that, I probably won't pick it, because there's other options, like Stage Fright. Uh Um, I would go for Dead of Winter, because that doesn't sound terrible, Mm. but it's got to be Alien Predator, right? Just based off that title. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Alien Predator? That's going to be so click bait as well everyone's gonna be like oh they reviewed alien versus predator nope (laughs) nope we're gonna have to have a disclaimer at the start of that saying this is not alien versus predator this is not a typo this is alien predator yes a weird italian or a spanish movie i didn't actually think of that because i was actually thinking of going stage fright but because of that, mm, think be- of the clickbait. Because though. of the clickbait, let's go for Alien. Pre- let's sell out. Let's do Alien Predator. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a great idea. Because everyone who types it wrong mm. in in their their podcast searching, it's gonna it's gonna pop up here. So we're gonna get a lot of angry people. <laughs> Our YouTube comments are gonna be wild, <laughs> wild. <laughs> All right, we'll do Alien mm. Predator next week. Let's wrap it up with the best quote from Alan Quartermain. Uh, I have ones from the first one. All right. Well, I'll go... I think my favourite quote is when he sees that his brother's friend has been killed and he goes, One thing's for sure, the fever didn't kill him. Because it's just a really bad joke. They tried really hard. What's your favourite? Yes, for a hundred bucks, you could get a slave for life. Oh my God, a hundred bucks? That's terrible. 
Well, you can always bargain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a different time. It was a different time. Bad porridge. Vincent deceased man. It's January. It's everything. It's bad. No, actually, I kind of liked it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.